0: Mmm, this one. Winter, spring, summer, fall. Seasons changed. We still
1: keep it together.
0: Hey Beverly Hills 90210 fans. Are you ready to dive deep? Episode by episode. Storyline by storyline. Character by character. As we break down the making of your favorite zip code. With your host. Charles <laughs> Rosen. Did I say that? Harry the foolish
2: thing about the, the, the real person. And we go, what?
0: We're getting rid of this guy. Pete Ferrero. I'm feeling wonderful. <laughs> Kathleen <laughs> looks TV crush worthy. Like so many special guests. And all your questions. Live on the Beverly Hills 90210 Show. Oh, yeah. All right, we're back here on the Beverly Hills and O show and we're talking about um so a couple of interesting Thanksgiving almost episodes of uh, Radar Love and um of course um uh, Emily. And joining us here is Christina Lee's Emily. How are you? How's 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 everything going?
1: Everything's going great. Um I I just watched Radar Love. I watched part of the second one. I didn't get through it because part of why things are great is uh chucky the chucky tv series which aired last night i made my big debut on the series last night so
0: well congratulations christine Amazing. it's really okay. great I, I have i wanted to show you this this is i, I pulled this
3: you made me
2: do this
3: do what <gasps> oh.
2: Oh. 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 Oh.
0: Back in the Chucky universe. I love
1: it. Emily Valentine going all pulp fiction.
2: I love that. Yeah. What's the name of your character, the, the shooter of Chucky?
1: Me? Uh, yeah, Kyle. Kyle. It's, a, it's the same character I played in 1989.
2: This
0: is amazing. This is
2: great. Wow. Well, everything new, everything old is new again, right? Isn't that the expression? It
1: is, and it's sort of of a really wonderful gift, because I don't know how you guys felt about BH or 2 and 0 but I really liked it, and I kept calling it like a lottery win to get such a great job with old friends uh, and not have to audition for it and stuff. Um, But fans didn't respond to it for whatever reason, and uh, it didn't go, as you guys know. So have a second legacy project like this come back around for me, it's like a double miracle. It's crazy.
0: You know, I wanted to ask you about that though. I mean, I know this is we're gonna talk about 90210 in a second, but you do have two legacy things. It's one it you know, it's sometimes it's hard for actors to get the one legacy thing, but you do have a couple of them. Um what's what is that like? And is it you know, what is it like to have two of them?
1: Uh it, it's it's probably not that unusual if you're some, if you're like an A-list person, mm-hmm. but for somebody at my level, it's it's Crazy. It's a huge gift. And uh this past weekend I just spent it in Atlantic City at a horror convention, but you know, half the people that come to my table are coming to the table about no, not Chucky. Um it's great, it's a huge I mean, I'm so grateful. what else can I say? It's gratitude. Yeah, absolutely. Well, well they
2: say <laughs> that they say really at this point, I was just listening to people to talk about it. It's that the title, a familiar title, is is of paramount importance in the you know the digital landscape at this point and that someone knows the title oh it's chucky they're bringing it back and that's why yeah. so many um you know whether it i mean they brought back magnum pi for god's sake so they'll bring back anything right any title
1: right but you know what's your theory as to why bh9 or did didn't get any traction
2: <laughs> um
0: live
1: i i <laughs> I
2: don't, you know, we, you know that Karen and I, and I think anybody involved with the TV show itself, did you see any of them, Drew? Any Uh, of of that? Of the new one, one. yeah.
3: No, I did I was worried Well, you
2: got to look at it because it'll make you laugh. You'll know every inside Mm -hmm. joke. You'll, you'll, you'll like it. It's well done. I think almost without exception, and the exception would be by part of the last episode. With the exception of that, I thought I, I was never... Oh, guys, come on. I mean, I just enjoyed, enjoyed, enjoyed. But I think that my experience doing these podcasts have 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 really shown in some that there's a that there's a core of hardcore fans that are, for lack of a better way, kind of rigid in their tastes. And they like it. They want it, They wanted to be 1995, and it's not. So they they want all of us, you guys, particularly you guys, not us, but you, to play exactly who you were. They didn't. They wanted you to. You know, didn't get the joke. Didn't see the humor. Um, it was. And it was very meta, and I don't know if our fans are met could appreciate the the uniqueness of the concept. And yeah. I and, I, and it's, you know.
1: You're right. Um, I think that that's, rigid is a great word. Um, The Chucky fans are much more flexible, apparently. Um, But I feel like if we had given those rigid fans what it is they thought they wanted, they would have found it incredibly depressing and hated it even more than what we did give them. I think what we did was the only dignified way to come back. Everybody made fun of themselves in in a really brave way, I think, all the storyline a little bit. To the bone for people, you know, and not always super positive. So, I love that everyone was brave. I thought y'all got to do comedy, which is great. I think seeing Brandon Walsh, like even if he owned the Peach Pit, serving fucking mega burgers to David and Donna and Kelly and Brandon and Dylan. Or, we didn't have, we don't have any more Luke, so that wouldn't have happened. But. Um, that's so depressing. I mean, everything that could possibly happen to a person happened to somebody on that show, and more than off, more often, that happened to more than one person. I mean, everything from date rape to being killed by the mob to joining a cult to being burned in a fire to gambling problems, alcohol problems, drug problems—everything that can possibly happen happened to those people. Yeah. No more story to tell about them, and yeah. I think that you know people years. that were. Yeah, people oh. who were who Brelly fans, the Brelli fans got their Brelli. They just didn't call them Brandon and Kelly. They called them Jason and and, uh, and Jenny. But yeah. they got they got that relationship. They got all the story they wanted, just with different names. And so it yeah. might have
0: been just a little ahead of ahead of its time. You know what I mean? It, you no,
1: know, I don't because... know about that. I think that it, I think it was right in its
2: time. Yeah, I think it was. It really, It really. I we were all surprised. But they didn't. It didn't. It didn't latch on with the people who who wanted it. I guess. I mean, there's a yeah, lot of. We've heard a lot of mixed feelings about it. Yeah, Pete, on, on the show. I right? mean, it, yeah,
0: of course. I mean, and you know, everybody involved in it said they loved it and and whatnot. And then there's the, that that. Our, that group that's just like they wanted to see what was up with Brandon, they wanted to see what was up with Kelly, and all that stuff. So, I agree with you. I, I can see both sides of the argument.
2: Well, and also, just one other thing to say in my perspective is that you know, when you you preserve that imagery, you preserve your memory. So, for instance, um, John, John Kennedy and Marilyn Monroe will be eternally young. We didn't see yeah. them grow old, we didn't see them, uh you know, stoop over, and uh, I, you know, I remember that uh, time there, so mm-hmm. we don't see that, so, uh, you know, the, the uh, excuse me, so, so, you know, you're absolutely right, Christine, I mean, that you look some of those um, imageries that we have, uh, and it's not just us, I, I, I have to tell you, I watch, I rarely, I truthfully have not seen a Dawson's Creek since I ran the show, You know that wasn't that was not a joyful time for me, and we. But Karen and I, we watched the pilot the other night. Oh my gosh! As I remember, it was it. it, You know, it was gorgeous. Michelle Williams was so intriguing and gorgeous at fifteen. She's one of the few that you know you could watch her today play that character. But you know, it's not for everybody. And um, I don't think it. I agree with you, Christine. It would not have worked. And nor would half of our cast, even more than our cast, would have wanted to do it. Certainly the guys would not that, have done that, it.
0: That's the key element there, that yeah. they, they might have explored more of the characters in the second season of, like, where is, you know, where is Brandon and all that stuff. I think they could have explored it in the world of the show, you know, but we never got to do that, which is unfortunate. So Well, I
1: think part of the problem, um, and I may be speaking out of school, but... Um, it was a rights issue too. So there's different tiers of how, how much it costs to do certain things. And you never saw anybody actually play. I didn't play Emily Valentine ever. I didn't, not, not by called by the name or anything. Like we were allowed to make one or two references an episode, those like sort of like the, like, you know, Andrea with the chainsaw kind of thing. These sort of flashbacks to the old show, the inside jokes. We were limited to how many of those we could do. And I think there was a whole other tier of, um, royalties we had to pay if we had everybody do Brandon and Brenda and, you know, mm. um, and I, my, that's my theory as to why no other network picked it up. Cause I went, like, how can this show not get picked up by somebody else? I and mean, how many shows in the world, uh, at all the time had a have a built in worldwide audience like that show does, you know? So it seemed to me like there's no way they couldn't, that somebody wouldn't pick it up and do so- it. Um, and I'm, the only thing I can think of is it was too expensive. Could be. Very, um, very, very but, expensive. But that's lightning striking to get Jason and Shannon to agree to that, to do that. I mean, th- that was no a miracle. Question, no adventure.
2: question about that. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. All right. Let's jump into what we were here to talk about. Um, and that hey, is.
1: Hey,
2: Pete, yeah. you haven't welcomed Drew.
0: Oh, okay, hey Drew. I was just about to do that. Hey Drew, Kenny, how are hey, you? <laughs> We've been talking prior to, so uh, I just I already welcomed him in my mind. Okay. Uh, yeah. How are you, man? How's everything with you? Um,
3: you Things came in cold to this one. I did. I can I came in cold. I, I I literally. What you sent me a message an hour ago, and I was out, dropped my car off at the shop, so I was like, oh, sure, okay. what is this where is it right
2: well it was because you know there was so much wonderful about this uh this episode and my two favorite parts of it were among besides the fact that it was set in a city that i just got back from uh yesterday and which i i I really love and hadn't seen in a lot of years but the the sets that you built were incredible. Her apartment, Emily Valentine's apartment, with uh, across the hall from Rosie, was incredible. Mm-hmm. And Christine, you're always very objective about yourself, hard on yourself a lot. But come on, had you ever looked as happy or 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 vivacious as you did with the long hair in these two episodes on camera? Now I know off camera, there's a lot of different things. You looked, you looked just. So have you and Jason, you know, you were just clicking so much in your personal life and your professional life. And it really I love it when when things just pop out of the the frames. And that's how Mm. I felt watching it.
1: That's sweet of you to say. I was I I was actually noticing how comfortable and happy I look too. happy is not a thing. Happy is a hard thing for me to act. You know, it's a hard thing. I'm not a big smiler, and, uh, and I also, you guys cast Melissa Christopher as Rosie, and she was one of my best friends at the time, so it was a super comfortable um, situation for me. I knew them both really well. I know their, I know their comedy well. I know their timing, and uh, and I trusted them both completely. So I think that's what you're seeing. Pete has been trying to track down Melissa. I did try. Nice. To- She's What's dead. That? Oh my god! She um, died a long time ago. She died twenty years ago, I think. Um,
2: I'm sorry. I'm so yeah, familiar. terrible,
1: oh. terrible thing. She had uh, breast cancer, and then it it, it it metastasized into everywhere else in her body, and yeah, she's oh been gone god. for a long time.
2: I didn't even know that. That's well. She was. She you, you she guys really clicked. It. it was. It looked like a very fun set with the three of you there. Uh, doing she's one of the arc.
1: funniest women I've ever known she, in real life she was the funniest bitch ever like, Really, really funny,
2: yeah. did she do stand up
1: uh, I don't know she might have a little bit she she like... A theater mm. like comedy theater
0: mm-hmm. mm. so uh, I'm curious for you Christine how did the Emily character coming back play in I know we were talking about it beforehand we were just watching the episode Chuck and I and uh, you and Jason were together and um, so was that how it was coming about or was where where did it where did it play for you that okay they want to bring Emily back?
1: Well that's a question for Chuck.
0: Yeah, well I want to know how it comes to your world, but Chuck, how did it come to your world first?
2: Well, there's a lot of different ways to look at it. One is they wouldn't let me go to Paris, so okay, screw it, I'm going to San Francisco. <laughs>
3: um
2: we only, we only were there, I think, for uh, two days, two days of filming. I don't think there was any, there was no night exteriors we did. So no. it was all days. Um, it was, uh, uh, so there was that. There was the idea, this was sweeps. And, you know, you had made the character of uh, Emily Valentine had made a lot of uh, impact on, on the series. And we hadn't seen you. And, and, you know, and you know, I mean, of you didn't know it at the time, of course, about my great guilt of losing the fight and making you have to go crazy uh, in the notion with the drugs to just review for our fans. And I don't even know if you know this, Drew. You know, originally, I just wanted to be, oh, they're going to a concert. They're going to, you know, the rave. And she says, oh, this is really cool. Try this. And a lot of red-blooded, good-natured American boys would have, and but not a lead of a television series where the character's not a character but a role model. And so, you know, we didn't get to do that. So then the only way you could get around that, it was a censorship fight I lost, so when the only way to get around that, and as far down in the thing is, oh, well, she's going to spike the drink. And then what kind of creepy person does that? And then we went down in that path. And I think, Christine... I know we're friends. We don't get to see each other very often, but we have great affection off camera. And I know how relieved you were when I finally told you that was the truth. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. On a previous appearance on this show, I told you that the story of me being so upset that she, I wasn't so upset with, I think that Euphoria episode is the best episode of, of the show, of the series. I love that episode. I don't even mind her doing what she did. Um, I had a bigger problem with the stuff that she did after that, and
0: the float and all that. You mean
1: like the stalking and and,
0: the phone calls? Yeah,
1: yeah. It was and and this the twins jersey. It was so desperate. Like it was called my desperate Valentine for a reason. It really truly was desperate, and I felt betrayed. I felt she was betrayed. Um, But I told you, Jason had me call Aaron. Jason had like somehow a miracle cell phone back in the day when they were. Like a, a car battery, and um, dialed Aaron's number for me and had me call Aaron to complain about my character. I'm a fucking guest star. What am I doing? It's insane that I'm calling Aaron's spelling to complain. And that he took my call like a gentleman and was like, Oh, don't worry. We're going to redeem her and I'm going to give you a spinoff. And I was like, Hamana, Hamana, Hamana. And he's like, Well, have I ever lied to you before? I'm like, Well, you've never spoken to me before.
2: <laughs> um, Did you say that? Yes. You. I love That's this. like Aaron Spelling early on with me asked, before I got signed my contract, before I got anything, who do I have to fuck to get out of this business? Really? And, thought, and what? Yes, he did. And I didn't say what was on my mind, but this is what I would have said now gee, Aaron, I thought you were the person I had to fuck to get out of this business. <laughs> Not knowing that that was kind of true. <laughs> I leave the show and then I'll, I'm out.
1: <laughs> well, you know Side, me. Sidebar. Chuck, Chuck, you and I, I mean, you, you know I was uh, inappropriately forthright and sort of, I, I, you and I, you got mad at me a few times for being sort of bossy about my opinions. Um and I, I, I look back and can't believe the, the brass balls I had. And it was truly inappropriate. I would never behave that way now. I'm so much more deferential.
2: <laughs> well, I think part of it was, and Drew, enter in into this, it just, it just was a kind of show that warranted it. We were, here we were, Fox, it was young people. We were now a hit. Who knew what they were doing? Who really knew where the show was supposed to go? Because the way I did it, it was going this way all at once, a hundred ways all, all at the same time. So, you know, and I was all—I was never, uh, e- except for certain instances and certain kind of e- episodes, I was never entirely, absolutely, 100% cocksure that what I'm doing is exactly right. You know, you're going to do a, an episode about AIDS, I'm going to tell you this is the way to do it, or a condoms, so or some of the more social dramas, but... You know, I I I think we didn't. Some, but we didn't make short shrift. I agree with you that that it, it, it was a very drastic to have you go the deep end. But then, uh, when it, and this wasn't Aaron ever saying, "Chuck, you got to redeem her character." But yeah. the fact is, is that when we did see you again, and you're hospitalized, I mean, I think that people, you know, we now know so much more about chemical imbalances and things like that, and And other elements in your background, so it could have been that person. The extreme that it went to—I don't even remember who actually even directed that episode. It is not one of—it is the highest-rated episode, single episode we ever did, except except for uh, uh, commencement. Which one? Emily, you know, my desperate Valentine.
1: Oh wow!
2: That was the highest rating. So, from a pure television standpoint, in a November sweeps, it was uh, it was a, a huge success, and uh, uh, but it was never one of my favorites. I was never comfortable with it, and always um, regretted how I I treated you. We did become friends, and and I didn't, you know, if if you if I would be annoyed at people uh, who coming with suggestions and stuff, it's only because of the stress that. You know, I had to make the trains run on time. That was my job. And there was a lot. I didn't have time to start making switches, knowing that my my mentor and friend of me, Duke Vincent, was always waiting for me to make miscues and go over budget. That's why they had so much fun. All they could complain about me for five years, Duke. Yeah, how's that tech set going? You know, from high school that we, we know the set used it twice, you know. What did I know? But you know. Drew, were
0: you
1: there then? Oh, that's funny.
0: The, oh, yeah. For the tech set? Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. <laughs>
1: it was a dude, joke. A, yeah. Dude, not not dude, many dude things. Well. a character from
3: Sopranos. <laughs> yeah, there's was. not many things that we spent a lot of time and effort on that went up and down so quickly. But we needed the <laughs> space. We had other yeah. stuff come.
2: We used <laughs> other things. We used it for other things. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, we
3: repurposed so, everything there. We didn't waste any money.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, but for you, Christine. So, coming back, you're, you were with Jason. You were in a relationship at that time. So, um, what was that like for you? I mean, in this time period, what was your life like at, at, um, as a working actress, in you know, in the '90s, and living with Jason?
1: It was normal because that's what was my life was so it was normal for me. I did I mean I was a professional guest star forever um and and Jason was his life was sort of a exciting whirlwind and you know I'm super domestic so we had two houses and four dogs and two cats and like i I'm a dinner party girl um we were he we were never like club kids or anything. I mean, we were so we were homebodies to the degree that one time Jason was a presenter at the Emmys, and uh, we went together. And the minute he presented, we left and went home and watched the Emmys on TV. So, <laughs> like that kind of crazy. Like I don't want to even be out; I just want to be home. Um, and well, still- he didn't want
2: to talk about nine hundred two and no. He did not want to talk about Brandon Walsh, and that's what people would be talking to him about in that kind of gathering, you yeah. know uh so you know i understood that and and as someone who benefited once or twice from your domestic scene it was always a nice place to visit the uh the household the the one in hollywood and the one in santa barbara
1: yeah that one's gone by the way that house got killed in the mudslides It got washed away
2: oh my i didn't know that you know my son works in montecito he has to drive up there a couple of times, so he lives in LA, but he works in Montecito. So.
1: That's a brutal commute.
2: Mm, yeah, well, he has a Tesla; that drives itself, so you know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but so uh, revisiting Emily, were there things that you wanted to do differently with her? I mean, obviously, like we talked about redeeming her, and the, and it does feel like that 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 happens in these two in these two episodes. Um, what, what what was the approach of bring coming back to her for you, Christine?
1: Um, well, I just do pretty much what they tell me. So, you know, they give me a script and I, if I didn't like certain things, I would say so. And mostly that some things got changed and some things didn't. Um, but it was an easy place to come to go to. I was, I knew the crew even on that show, like my, my, lots of members of the crew would be at our house and were like our real life friends. I mean, Ke- Casey, uh, Ke- Kevin Caffrey, who was the uh, lead electrician on the show, just followed the Priestley family to nashville they moved to nashville and the-
2: he moved to nashville and what but he told me they're not driving he, they, he and jay don't drive anymore they used to be the race partners right i mean yeah i remember them from the automotive days
1: yeah and then jason sort of uh outgrew the two the two party racing and was doing more high-end single driver racing he was <laughs> in rally racing with kevin um but then Jason had that horrible accident and yeah, literally right, right. died. Um, so he didn't race cars after that. Um, right. But yeah, that's how close some of the crew, uh, we were with the crew. So that they're still like literally moved across country to stay with them. So, um, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's really lovely to go back where you, you have so many friends. I mean, the cast and the crew and, it's easy. It's like free money. You don't have to audition for it, which is always a blessing. I'm not. I'm a terrified auditioner. Ter- it really terrorizes me every time I have to go to an audition. I sit there and go, I can't believe I chose this for a living. I'm so fucking terrorized right now. And I could leave, and it wouldn't hurt anybody except me. I could leave. I have the right to walk out of here. I'm not going to, but I desperately want to. Like auditioning is it's worse than the dentist it's
2: just karen karen was a nice little actress when i met her at ucla and she also was terrified by auditions and couldn't really do it she did a little bit when she became an adult after the kids after we wrote she wrote 902 and things but no it's a very debilitating thing i just listened to an audible um book uh driving back and forth from san francisco from my uh, elementary school and high school friend, and someone I fortunately also still have a relationship with, Lorraine Newman. And she goes into vast detail about how she hates auditioning and how bad she is in auditioning, and how many opportunities went away because of that, uh, fear of auditioning or, or, uh, and, and everything else that it would conjure up. So I get it. Uh, it, it yeah, was a I-
1: and auditioning has morphed into it's all self tapes now. You got to do it all yourself. But there's advantages to that, and that you can do the scene like five million times until you pick the one you like. And uh, and there's no real nerves because there's nobody in the room with you. So the person is reading with you. But I I don't I I benefit uh, historically. I get I I did better when people who made the decision had to be physically in the room with you to be ha- to have an opinion of you. When I read for O, there was no videotape, there was no taping the auditions yet. Yeah. Uh, and that, so that that step of everything being videotaped and that videotape being uploaded somewhere for everybody at the network and everybody in the fucking cafeteria could give you their two cents whether they think which person should get the job? I I do better when fewer people are making the decision. I I, I tend to be a divisive choice. I'm not I'm not like a I'm a I'm a, a complicated choice. I think. So the more people that get to vote, the less well I do. Um, our, fr- our
2: friend, oh, go on, go on, I'm sorry.
1: Well, now, like, so I do the the fucking um, the self tape, but now you submit that to the casting director. You don't even you're not even actually you submit it to your agent who then submits it to the casting director and you're not ever even assured that the casting, that your agent's going to pass it forward. They may decide to, you know, call the herd and send their better or higher paid choices in uh, instead of you. And if you do get sent to the casting director, that, that person has another opportunity to to drop, drop your uh, tape out of the mix before anybody who can make a decision even sees it. So it's a, it's, it's, it's Hmm. even harder to get a job now.
2: Yeah, and, and you really, first of all, I think it also diminishes community, but, but with which everybody, the you know, people who don't like to be around actors or creative people, they get to do it that way. They never have to really interact. But the other one is that it, um, you know, it doesn't give you a real, in, you, you can't really learn anything about the person in this. I'm glad that when I, they started it once I was pretty much, phasing myself out of the business and i'm glad i never had to do that i did not love casting but i loved the aspect of having people come in and meeting and meet the ritual of it i i sometimes you know i think if we've spoken on this this podcast before it's it's really i mean what do you do when an actor comes in and is really missing by a wide mile and will never ask never get the part in a hundred years and then ask stop Halfway through, it and says, "Can I do it again?" <laughs> right. oh, okay, yeah, sure. Right. You know, um, so it's a. It was, um, you know, it's it's a hard part of the process. But I, I feel for you. Uh...
1: But I think, like, when I, when I read for Emily, I had to sing Mercedes Benz a cappella in these auditions, which was I'm not a singer, and that was terrifying. And I was so afraid I kept forgetting the lyrics. And when I got the job and I, I went to the studio to record the song. I was directed to pretend I didn't know the lyrics, like I did in the audition. But that wasn't—that was I really wasn't remembering them. <laughs> it wasn't a choice. <laughs> it wasn't a right? that wasn't
2: something I was asking them to do. Believe me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. was, so, and then, are, go ahead.
1: And then, like, I, there's a show, a show called The Strip that I read four thousand years ago, and uh, I did the scene to play some detective or something, and one of the four guys in the room looked like he was falling asleep. And when I finished the scene, I said, Well I guess that went really well. I put this guy to fucking sleep. And uh and they were like, Oh my God, that's the attitude we want. Do it again with that attitude. And I got the job. And I wouldn't have had it not been in that room with them it's live. Just,
2: yeah. That's it. Well, you know what you're talking about about everybody and their uncle making a uh, uh you know a comment about how this and that now in the day of looking at the tape I've heard the same thing from David Semmel talking about directing. That you you'll turn in a cut or you'll turn in a pilot and everybody's got an opinion. And it's like, you know, and, and we also benefited 30 years ago when, you know, by not having to share dailies with anybody. Right. Actors didn't get to see day J- I mean, I'm not in remember Jason probably got to see dailies.
1: I saw dailies. I saw them. They were VHS tapes, and I would get them at lunch.
2: You'd That's right. Because, them. Yeah, but you got them at lunch because Paul would have them. Yes. They'd yeah. Swag them off his desk. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. One but of the things- it's
1: even worse now than that. Now hmm. they they have a live feed on the camera, and studio people can be watching you do the scene live. Mm. You can be shooting a, a show in Toronto like I just did, and there's a live feed going to Century City, and they're seeing everything you're doing. And you're mic, right? You're mic and you're walking around with a mic on like telling personal stories in between scenes and somebody in Culver City is hearing you. It's Oh
0: boy. Right.
2: The year that I uh I did my my show for Showtime up in Toronto 2001 was the first was the first year that I could be in Los Angeles and be in a mix in Toronto. Right. You know, it was the same kind of thing. So it's it's been around. I didn't know they did it on the sets though, too. I didn't know that it was shooting itself
0: uh, one of the things that's interesting about Emily here is that her look is totally different from how we saw her in uh, the previous time that she was with us. Was that, a, was that, I mean, for you, Chuck, was that an, a problem or were you happy about that? That her, her, Cause she comes across mature and and really in love with Brandon and all that. So, but she doesn't look like the time we had seen her before. You guys do of course throw some flashback shots of her. So it reminds people in case they're, don't know who this is i can't imagine how they don't know who emily valentine is but in case you kind of flash us back as to who it was
2: well she had the signature hat on the beret as long as so the- that was a connector oh i think uh look i i, I think that i can't imagine as i said the happy your 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 youth um and also the thing that you you were you know i i don't i i would have to compare it with what your look was is as, as uh uh, in the early episodes of season two, but there was no makeup, and on your eye, no eye makeup, and uh, it was—it just—it showed your natural beauty. And we had never tried to do that. You were just—you know—you were—you were more. And—and and this is—I was saying to Pete, uh, it is—is I'm trying to. I know that we always look at. You know, episodes involved with Brendan Dillon as this was the most romantic element of it. This was incredible amount of romance and in it, real feelings of romance. And I, and I, my hat goes off to, to uh, the Klein Wasserman, Steve Wasserman and Jessica Klein, who really, this was the kind of thing they wanted to, they excelled at. It was also thinking of them, um, how much fun they, especially Jessica, probably got doing this one. Uh, equal to the to the ending of season three, with Donna Martin graduates, where they did that, that too as a couple too. So, you know, it was really it really holds up, and it's in the city I love so much, San Francisco. Uh, and um, and we were just there, and I was, I was saying in the watch along, your last scene when you get in the car, and you're saying goodbye. I we drove across a street called Fillmore to get to Noe Valley and you were in Noe Valley Heights. So I kept saying to Karen and Maxine, my daughter was in the car, we filmed right up there. That's where we filmed, (laughs) you know? And then of course the big cable car scene in uh, on going down California street was the other one that we did. And then, um, and we, we made it seem that it was on California street, but then they, the interesting thing, San Francisco, I think you remember this, Drew. San Francisco was ahead of its time, so they knew there'd be a lot of filming, so they actually made a bus of the main trolley car so that you weren't going to be taking up the the Powell, the line on Powell Street, which is the most noted line. So you were going down Powell Street, but you were in a bus, and it was, uh, it was made it a lot easier to film. our Our director, although there's two separate directors for the episodes um everything shot in San Francisco was done by our friend uh the late uh, Richard Richard Delang big gentleman and um and and it was great second unit too i mean i i guess richard probably did that as a first director but when you i know i came up for the goodbye scene in noe valley and the the uh scene where we actually st- got on the uh Cable car coming down California. I think that was the first shot we did, like eight, seven thirty, eight in the morning, you know, wanted to do it before there was a lot of traffic. And even though we had, intermit, you know, traffic control, they wanted us out. We wanted out and make the day. But um, I also uh, brought up to uh, uh, Pete when we were shooting, the one scene that you guys do standing in front of the Golden Gate Bridge saying goodbye to each other Um I did a pilot four years later. We sat and we shot in the same exact shot. So I stole yeah. it. From, I stole it from Richard Lang, and he stole it from Alfred Hitchcock.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's that's a very common location. Yeah, to shoot. It's um, a very easy
2: place to park your trucks, which is another yeah, reason exactly. why it's so beautiful. Chrissy Fields, right there. Yeah.
1: And it de- it just defines where you are. So clearly, that's my that was my favorite city back in the day. Jason and I always celebrated our anniversary in San Francisco at a place called the Sherman house, which I don't think is there anymore in Pacific Heights. Um, but yeah, it was my favorite mm-hmm. city for a long time.
0: Yeah. And is it easy? You're a couple? So, I mean, it comes across as like super genuine and authentic that the two of you in the scenes that you guys have together in this time period, um, is that easier or because you are a couple, so you can be doing this together or is it, is it as complicated, you know? No,
1: it's way, way easier. Love scenes are the most awkward thing ever. And I'm, Particularly shy, so they're terrible. The thing, the thing that's bad about the fact that Jason and I were really a couple—like, I'm not a big like open mouth kisser. I don't do that on on camera because it's gross and I think it's vulgar. Uh, but because Jason and I were really a couple, we were really kissing. I cannot watch it. It is so, it is so vulgar. I'm. It looks so pornographic to me that we're like actually really kissing and. And now he's like my brother too, you know? It's like really creepy to me. So (laughs) I wish, you know, that's the only downside to doing those kind of scenes with somebody that you're really with.
0: I mean, it comes across super authentic and genuine. It's definitely a piece of, you know, time. We were talking about um, what you bring to the table as an actor, you know, what you did with Emily in the first portion is iconic in its own way, but this is something different, and I think it allows for the fans of the show to fall in love with Emily Valentine in a, in a different way. And um, it's really beautiful stuff, Christine, I thought. Uh, the, the work that we just watched was really great stuff with you and Jason and everything that was happening here.
1: So well, Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I
2: also, th- You know what also I think was really beautiful is the color of the couch that was in the set. Mm-hmm. That you, it was that rich San Francisco purple, you know, purple haze, you know, sure. magenta. Drew, how'd you know to do that? How'd you, you know remember
3: it? putting this
0: Emily
2: set together? You um, built I, remember saying,
3: uh, I remember saying, that's great, Jill. That's an awesome couch. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. No, I'm kidding. That's Jill Hankel. Yeah. So, you know, just something, that's-, that's perfect.
1: What well, was the going there, great that apartment? I mean, my God, it was like a seven thousand dollar a month apartment.
3: Oh yeah, totally. Oh,
0: I was
1: going to ask
3: you. So, I is would... that a
0: set? Is that soundstage, or is that in San Francisco? Does anyone remember? Yeah. Oh, that that was on stage. It was a set.
2: Yeah, oh, yeah,
3: yeah.
2: But yeah, there's you know, a nice thing that they did. Richard Lang. He does the pan through the window, and then there's did. a the trick. You pick up the camera coming through the window in the other place, mm-hmm. and it was yeah. it was fabulous. It was uh, it really very real.
3: Um, you you, you have no idea how much fun those things were for me. I mean, you know, I mean, I was in my, you know, just like all the actors. I mean, I was in my early 20s, like everybody else. And, you know, I lived in like a, you know, $500 rent, like a shared a place with other people. So I always got to design and go to all these really nice places. Oh, man, I loved every minute of that.
1: (laughs) That's great.
3: Christine, was there
0: any thought for you here? Like, maybe the Emily Valentine character could come back and be a regular part of the series?
1: Oh, that I would love to have that have happened. Um, why didn't it, Chuck?
0: Because <laughs> <laughs> after this, I mean, like, it's so... You know, we want to see this now we want to see now that we have been t- told that these two people are truly in love with each other Brandon says he's never said it to anybody, and then he says it like then he's just saying it all the time through the two episodes, so it feels like a natural thing to bring back this and bring back Emily Valentine Chuck is there a thought there was that ever a conversation to maybe bring her back into the world. As, as Christine listens on here,
1: especially as I'm learning today that my desperate Valentine is the highest-rated episode of the whole series. What I do wrong?
2: <laughs> well, <laughs> you got you got some time. No, um, the uh, you know we brought you back in the next season. You know it's
1: it not was a series regular.
0: Was there ever? Well, a you know
2: If I you know, the thing is, is that if you know, really, there were multiple reasons why I left 902 and zero, But one of them was I simply had run out of ideas. The only thing I've said this to you, Pete, I mean, the only thing I was really I used to say and I, I said, you know, the only plot that I can continue from what we've done here was was a, as as laid out was uh, was 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 Kelly and the lesbians. I knew that that we could do stuff there. I also knew we had 13 episodes left with Dylan, and I would have done a different arc than the one that was there. We've talked about that. I was surprised when they came up with the one they did. It was okay to do it, obviously. That actually was the highest rated. I I take it back. Yours was the highest rated in my, my five years, but that was the... Dylan the Tony the Dylan, and Tony,
0: the Dylan well, and Tony
2: yeah but that's not that that was part of it but it's really it's it's going to be Luke Perry's last episode sure. Dylan McKay's last episode that was the that was the commercial um uh you know to hook, as it were <laughs> yeah but um I didn't have that you know I did I had I had done everything I could do the Walsh family, and also I was hired to do the Walsh I like the Walsh family I knew how to do the Walsh family. It didn't bring back the parents. My core connection to the series was being obliterated. Hmm. And still haven't
1: answered the question.
2: <laughs> uh nobody brought it up. And and uh I uh you know as well as I do. This is a question that you asked Jason, how come Jason never lobbied Mr. Spelling to have you come back? Because this would have been a spelling or, call or- to figure out how to bring her back. I'm surprised or, they didn't do it in season six. Or wait a minute, was, was
0: that happening? Was Jason lobbying for you to come back?
1: I don't think so. Um, <laughs> it might have something to do with the fact that they really did attempt to give me Melrose Place. I was a spinoff character from Melrose Place. I've told you this story on the show, I think, before, too. Mm-hmm. And there were meetings with Dar- uh, Darren Starr and Duke Vincent in Aaron's office, and they were running out of other characters by me and saying, you know, do you want to do this? And I said, yeah, of course I do. Um... And it was the end, they only had like three more episodes to shoot in the at the end of the second season. And I thought I had a very strong negotiating position because there was nobody else to spin off and they needed, they needed to spin somebody off to launch this other show. And I also knew that if I did the show, um, I probably wouldn't necessarily like the show. And that's a hard thing to be on when you don't like a show you're on. And I also knew, um, I would be forever linked to Jason, and everyone would always think that Jason had gotten me that job, and that every Emmys or Golden Globe thing we'd be co presenters, and it would be like I'd be like like a Siamese twin to Jason, sort of selling my career away to this idea that Jason I wouldn't have anything without Jason. So I thought um,
0: you're talking about Melrose Place now,
2: yeah?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so. What's that? But, but the same, I get that, but my instinct now
2: is to just pick up the phone and go, can you get Rita Wilson on the phone, please? You know, I mean, it, it, you know, one can have a life with it though, but I understand you yeah. um, didn't want that link and maybe he didn't either. And maybe I respected that, that we also, and then again, what are we going to do with Brandon? If Brandon is, we, and we've said this many times on this yeah. show, if you give your main characters a personal relationship, what are you supposed to do with them then? Right. You know, it's, right. The, the best example ever was this was a long forgotten show that spun off in of the Mary Tyler Moore show called Rhoda with Valerie Harper. Yeah. Its first season, it was it would outpoint all the shows. And it was about this, you know, neurotic Jewish woman living in Minnesota. She finally finds a guy. They get married. And the show completely is not funny anymore.
0: Right, we right. end
2: up with a divorce. So, it. You, what do you do? It's. It, well, th- there's. You know, limits that time. You again. The goal is to. How can I sustain it? How can I on a serialized show? How can I keep it going? How can I keep it going?
1: Well, you just break them up.
2: You know. But yeah, what? Well, well, you are going to bring up a breakup a series regular? And what are you going to do? Start making out with iron? I don't know. That right. Seem right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> 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 um. Even a more modern take on that, Chuck, is, you know, when in the office, when they put Jim, Jim and Pam finally get together, it does become a little bit like, okay, we were rooting for this. Now it happened. Now what? Now what? where do we go from here? You know what I mean? And it does, they do sort of lose their their luster. Um, yeah. And also, this is some Thanksgiving stuff, Chuck. And there is the, uh, outside of the stuff that's happening with Christine, there is the awkward tension of uh, Dylan and um Kelly and Brenda at Thanksgiving. Do you want to talk about that?
2: We sure do, because mm-hmm. as you guys would know, People uh, who, who, are, who are those who find the follow us that closely, that we've been doing this thing called Story Slam, where we've right. done some, fa- I don't know if you know about this, Christine, we've done some fan fiction. We've had the fans pitch themselves into episodes that happened off screen, scenes that happened off screen. Mm-hmm. So we put our first one up, <clears throat> called um, Dylan's Confession, and and this one was actually before he started. Uh, uh, we got to know him at West Beverly High. How he lost his virginity in Hawaii, and was very very and it was you know not not a f- barrel of laughs, but really well well put together and learned a lot about the character. The next one we 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 finally I think have finally got all the parts together and Pete's uh, editing it. Yes, uh, having to do with um, David Silver, but uh, the one that I did and, and wrote for the, the one I'm most associated with came from one of our uh, uh, fans who from Ireland, uh, Connor Furlow, Furlow, right? Is this how you yes. it? and Connor is uh, very cool guy, uh, singer songwriter, and he put in um, that he uh, a story around Lords of the Dance. And, and coming in to meeting uh, uh, Kelly, and we figured out how to, at Spring Dance. Right. And it was like, and he was in one of those companies, you know, all the Irish guys go like this and that <laughs> on stage. And we set up a whole thing for starting a three-parter with them. But the, but part two, part yes, part two comes out of the episode of um, Radar Love. That's Is right. Is that right, Love of right. Emily?
0: Yes, no, it's Radar Love. Yes, mm-hmm. Radar
2: Love, and it's what happens that night with Kelly Taylor. That's right. Uh, and seeing this guy again who she's seen three years ago. So that's uh, you that's know, a we, fun thing. but know, in, in, in terms that of the show, coming on Story Slams, so. can't wait
0: for that. Yeah, I mean, in terms of this though, when we rewatched it, you know, creating that tension between between Brenda, Dylan, and that's Kelly right. again in a, in a different light, you know, uh, would it, would, yeah, would we were
2: all talking about the idea, and Pete brought it up, and I'm sure. Uh, Drew, you've had this experience, Christina, this experience, to be on like a double date or with friends, and one couple is falling apart in front of your eyes and can't stop arguing or cursing each other. That's happened to me twice. It's
0: awkward as fuck.
2: It is yeah. very yeah. awkward, especially when it is even more awkward when one oh, of the three. Of <laughs> <laughs> What's right, even exactly. more awkward is when that person is your agent. <laughs> he and his oh, wife ouch. in pre-divorce mode. You know, it was. Yeah.
0: It was fun to watch that scene at the at the Walsh house for sure. And then, of course, the other thing we talked about Chuck uh, in the watch along was Brenda's nude nude scene. You know, I gave the quotes there in case you're listening to this on your way home. Uh the, the nude scene, right, where she she improvs off of this guy's uh, script. And this is the first time we kind of see Brenda acting, right? That we know she's gonna be an actress and whatnot. Um, what about that, Chuck, looking back at that?
2: Um, she was having fun doing it. You could see that. You know, oftentimes I look at the these episodes and can I can tell, oh, the cast, this actor was having a good time here. This actor was just getting through it. This one was phoning it in. This was one of the first ones In season four, that you could see there was joy, that she and inventiveness, and uh, she did a great job. Um, Switching back though, just for one second, back to the core (coughs) plot. One thing I really did love, and I guess this is set deck, Drew, and not and not uh, art direction itself, but that it was in the script that there you were, you had an aquarium in your apartment, and there you were, you were going to be going to the Jacques Cousteau. Institute, and yet there's the aquarium. It's like, why does she have an aquarium? Well, that's why she loves fish. Sure. And then you you also even have the moment when you go down. We did a, a little bit of a you know a walk and talk with you guys at, at, at Fisherman's Wharf, and yeah. you're talking about the sea lions, and you correct Jason that they're not seals and etc. And etc. Et so yeah. you you know you were there, it was your passion. What I don't get after all this time is you say you know, will you please write? And why that character would not have said, right, I'm flying to see you at Christmas. I'm coming right. here. I mean, I mean, it, it, this wouldn't have been the end of the universe, but that you're going to Paris. It'd be one thing if you're going to, you know, New Guinea to study natives, you'd be a hard time pressed, you uh, know, <laughs> carrying on the conversation, but Paris is Paris for God's sakes.
1: Yeah. You know, so. And in
0: 2021, it would sim- they probably would have been able to carry out their relationship longer via text and FaceTime and all the things, all the technology it didn't, that didn't we- exist. Yeah, exactly.
1: That didn't exist then.
0: Yeah, so there's no way they just she just disappears.
1: The real phone existed though. Phones happened.
0: Right. We we have to imagine that in the world off screen that you guys had talked a whole bunch of times. I mean, you do come back like Chuck said the next season too, and. And stir up a lot of trouble again you know so we can talk about that at some other problem maker
1: <laughs> i just love that emily valentine the fire starter comes comes to town in an episode where, where kelly gets burned and nobody ever makes the connection and thinks emily did it <laughs>
0: <laughs> it is really great it is really one of those cool things well listen i thought this was i think this stuff is really really cool oh people want to ask you about the the dim sum scenes Right, you and Jason—is that a—is that a thing? Are you and Jason thing like going for dim sum, or is that no?
1: I I have been. I was a vegetarian. Um, I've been hmm. since the '80s. So, I and dim sum is almost always pork and chicken. Of
2: course. So yes.
1: No, that was no. But the director, all the,
2: was, uh, did, yeah. Drew, all the great dim sum places in LA that you may have remembered out in Monterey Park. Those mm-hmm. big things that people go Sunday. They're yeah. all gone. They are. All of them have gone out of overhead COVID. Yeah, they're, they they still go out a dim sum, but not the dim sum palaces that people yeah. would go out on Sunday mornings. Uh, you know, instead of going to church, they'd go have dim
1: sum.
3: It's a little strange pushing a cart of food around where around a bunch of people sitting in the place today. It just seems
0: odd. Oh
1: yeah, the
3: there is Richard Lang we talked about. Does those cool
0: shots of like the 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 uh, the at the dim sum place where he puts the camera sort of on the rotating. Yeah. Tray and we see you guys uh, doing. Well, Richard
2: like tricks,
1: yeah. You know, he said, and he, did, he said, "If something moves, I'm putting my camera on it."
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he he liked that. And then, of course, the episode that I uh, hold most dear, working with Richard, was it's a totally happening life, and and uh, the the one with Don and the bus and Christmas, and um, and he loved holidays. So you know, to have the Thanksgiving one, to have a that was what he was about too. A ni- nice man.
3: Oh, he was full of stories, too. Oh, he was fun to work with.
2: Oh, yeah. And yeah. I always talked about that his father, who did two big movies, The King and I, and one mm. other big movie like that, was the director they did not hire to do The Sound of Music. Got back to two directors. They hired Robert Wise and not his dad. Mm. And um, and he thought, well, what would my life be different if that would have been the one? You know, so. Yeah.
3: Well, you know, there's something that you'll still see on reruns today that's that's him, and that's the opening credits for the original Kung Fu series, you know, the sun rising. Oh, really? I mean, that was one of his stories, talking about being out all night with Carradine, getting wasted, and having to try to stay awake, holding their eyes open for the sunrise to get the shot. Yeah.
2: Well, that's, that's interesting.
3: Cool. Mm-hmm.
2: Was he a, was he the director of that, or the or was he had come out of camera? No.
3: Did... I, I don't remember. It's yeah. been so long, but I just remember, you know, just like just seeing his eyes twinkle, just thinking about, Trying to stay awake with David Carradine. Uh, Keith Carradine, excuse me. No, David
2: Carradine. David's right. right. Yeah.
3: yeah. Yeah.
0: Chuck, someone wanted to know in commencement, um, there's a question to Brandon of all the girls that he's been with. Was there one that um, was super special to him? And you guys go down the skating, the the ice skating route. Um, But obviously, you know, we find out that Emily is, probably the real answer to that question. If you could go back, would you uh, make it? No,
2: because they got reconnected and and Brandon got into his uh, emotions more in season four. That question was asked in season three. And Mm -hmm. besides, I wanted to use the song, Uh, you know, a dime in my life. I wanted it and, you know, with showing ice skating also had a visual thing. So it really wasn't about anything real. It was just about what's going to look be better in the show there, you know, at that moment.
0: I got you. Yeah. Um, and for you, Christine, someone asked, since you did write some episodes of 9 Atyuna, was there anything about these two that you would have liked to see done differently? Chuck is here, so. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, uh, no. I think I, I didn't. I just only watched, the, I watched all of Radar, Love, and Levon, half of the other one. Um, but no, I don't, I mean, the only things that I really have a strong opinion about are the stuff that I, is the stuff that I have to do, you know? Um, and I had no problem with any of this. It seemed, it was, it was, there was two lines that I thought were funny that were written, um, that were just factually inaccurate. They, I say, I think at one point, look at the tide out. It's like, like I was comparing the, the tide to my, going back and forth about what I should do about moving to Paris. I go look at the tide. It goes in all day and out all night, just like me. It can't make up its mind, but the tide isn't ruled by daylight. <laughs> so I was like, that's not right. And then I said something about, um, look at the, up the rock. They call it the rock because no one's ever escaped. I think is what, the, uh, is what I say about uh, Alcatraz. They call it a rock because it's a big fucking rock. <laughs> don't you think? Oh, I mean, the rock the because rocks. no
2: one escaped. They should have said it's the rock. Do you know that no one's ever escaped? Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: So, uh, yeah. I can't well, about that on the day. So,
2: all right. I'll bring that up with. You. I'll bring that one up with Jessica then. <laughs> no I have no idea bring, what you're talking about. Did not
1: get to those lines in the in the in that second episode? It happens in the second one, and so yeah. I don't know if I. I think I may have said them factually, accurately, I don't know. I, I, you, know you know me, Chuck. I would, If I wanted to complain, I would, so I probably did, but I don't know if I won the fight or not.
2: Well, you know, it's one of the things we talk about now, you know, in my grandfather role and talking to my daughter, who's, you know, a, a mother now and this, and, and reminding of, of what it was when, when Karen and I would leave the house. And Karen, we'd get in the car, Lindsay would, don't go, don't go, please, don't go. And we'd say goodbye, don't go. We'd get in the car, we'd drive away. And Karen would be very guilty. And I would go, it's funny, I can't hear anything, you know, I'm in the car. I'm So if you were complaining and you weren't doing it to my face or on the phone, it means no meant no difference to me. If the tree <laughs> fell on the woods, no, nah, it didn't really fall. All right. it didn't fall. I didn't hear it, it didn't fall.
1: I'm gonna have to finish watching the episode when we're done here and see what I said. All right,
2: email me. And let me know what you did. All right, Chuck,
0: real quick, a couple more things. Uh, Jesse Vasquez, we see here, uh, you know, comes back. Uh, Mark Damon's a friend of the show. It was good to see him, and that's the end of the Dan Rubin thing. What did you? What was your take on on seeing Andrea stand up for herself and break it off with uh, with with uh, Dan?
2: Yeah. Pitch perfect, really. I mean, she was sensitive to him. She wants to break up with him. I think he comes back one other episode. Maybe, maybe not. I can't remember. But, um, you know, and 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 it was great, you know, and and that there was, and that my favorite parts of it, you know, in those scenes that you're talking about, oh, here's Jesse. You went to Yale. You go to law school. I mean, she thought he was a bartender, you know, and That's so that great. was, a you know, a, a good reveal. So I like that part of it.
0: Of course, the other thing too I want to talk about is you have the picture you showed on the watch along of Ian dressed in uh, dressed in drag in this because the stuff that he was doing with the uh, the keg and all this the hazing,
1: yeah. and the hazing, right? Yeah,
2: the hazing, yeah,
1: yeah. There it is.
2: <laughs> and as I was saying in the watch along, you know, he uh,
1: he really didn't
2: like reading that script, and I had to say, you know, Milton Berle went in drag, and it's a part of a British humor you know you can do it it's a good thing you'll have fun doing it and he did and then the irony of course is that the next season he's doing a episode with Milton Berle so, that's right yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. all right guys this has been great to cover this with you Christine it's always good seeing you um why don't you tell everybody how we can see Chucky and in all that stuff because I think next week you're going to have so, a lot more stuff happening in in the season right
1: I have more stuff. I'm in the next two. I'm, in the, I'm on the final three. So I'm in the next two. Um, the quantity of stuff I have, it's kind of like on 90210. This is such a huge cast to service. Um, there's so many stories that nobody gets a whole, except for the kids, you know, a whole lot to do. Um, is it on
2: the Sci-Fi TV. channel? Is it's on Sci-Fi
1: it and mm-hmm. USA. And I somebody told me yesterday that you can buy it on um, Amazon Prime. That's cool. Um, and the first two episodes are free on YouTube um and it's great i'm super proud of it i mean it, it when, when don mancini with whom i've stayed friends in the intervening years uh said he was gonna do it i was like oh that's that's a lot like how is he gonna take a, a franchise the, the seven films he's done over 32 years or whatever how is he gonna come up with more story and and make it feel like it warrants a, a series you know like that much that much story where's he going to find it? And he really has, he's got, he's done an incredible job and I don't know if you guys are familiar with the franchise, but it's kind of gone all over the map tonally. And like it went into comedy for a while and this Jennifer Tilly was playing Jennifer Tilly that the little, the female doll Tiffany was obsessed with and she possessed actually Jennifer Tilly. Um, and it's a homicidal doll. I mean, this is, this is a lot of fantasy, um, to keep alive, and he's the only horror franchise that. First of all, he's written them all, so it's all he, all the f- movies. He's written all the um, yeah. all the episodes, but um, right. it's he's she was a, he's the showrunner though, so it's still his baby, and um, and to keep it, the canon is, is he's he's honoring it always. Like there's no part of the story that he's ever told that he's going. Well, let's just pretend that didn't happen, and you know, move mm. along. Uh, and to do that with something with a, with a franchise that's. It has done so many crazy things and to keep them feeling grounded and real is a miracle. He's a super talented guy. I'm really proud of the show.
0: Awesome. Well, make sure we guys go out and watch that. You know, our 90210 fans all love everything new that you guys are doing. Are you shooting anything else right now or, um,
1: no, I, I just did a little independent film last week, uh, for friends. Um, that we'll probably be doing festivals and stuff next year. Um, yes. But no, I, I'm
0: just a horror concert. let's just say that this was great, guys. It was good seeing everybody. Uh, Christine, it's always good to see you, Drew. I mean, we have so much more to talk about with with you. We're gonna we're gonna do that at some point. So, um, all right, cool. Always guys. good to
2: see your face, buddy. Me too. Yeah, i here.
0: Bye, bye, everybody.